6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. And you know when Stomp and Tom Connors writes a song about you, you've made it. The famous pilot Wap May, whose life reads like an adventure book, well, a new short film, is highlighting the amazing life of Wap May. You'll remember he survived a dogfight with the Red Baron, was part of the manhunt for the infamous Mad Trapper, as well as that mercy flight to Fort Vermilion to get medicine to the community to deal with a suspected diphtheria outbreak. He did it in the winter, in a plane, with an open cockpit. The film is called Blind Ambition, the story of Wap May. Take a listen. From the moment he saw that aeroplane in the air, he realized that this is what he wants to do. He was adventure. He was somebody who was a visionary and somebody who was always at the forefront of everything that happened. Invented one of the first superheroes, and that was the Bush pilot, and that was Wap May. And that was Wap May. Now, May's son, Denny, who you've heard on this show in the past, played a pivotal role in the development of this film, but sadly, Denny May passed away on the weekend. Less than 24 hours before the film was set to premiere at the Edmonton International Film Festival, where it had already won the prize for Best Short Film. Frederick Crouch is the co-director of the film. He joins us now. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit uh, the background on this on this film, Blind Ambition. It, uh, I'm fascinated by the Wap May story. I'm fascinated by what he has done for aviation, uh, you know, across this country and the legacy here in Edmonton. Um, but but tell us, you know, your background. What was it that made you want to do this story? Well, as an Edmontonian, I've always heard the name Watt May. And like many Edmontonians, I presume that he shot down the Red Baron. You know, that I heard when I was growing up. <laughs> and uh, I was interested to learn more about him. And I was at the Aviation Museum. And they were telling me and correcting me that, no, in fact, the Red Baron was trying to shoot down Watt May and mm. Watt May only survived because he didn't know how to fly. <laughs> Watt May's buddy actually came in and saved him from the Red Baron. And they were telling me all these crazy stories. And then at the end, uh, they were like, he did it all, but he can only see through one eye. Mm. And he, he, he had a secret eye injury. And once I heard that, I was like, this is crazy. This is a movie that needs to be told. You know, when you look at what Wap May had done over the years. You talk about, you know, the first uh, male into the Arctic. You talk about that dogfight with the Red Baron, uh, the police manhunt for the uh, for the Mad Trapper, um, you know, getting um, medicine to the Arctic as well. I mean, each one of those stories could be a film onto itself. So how did you put it all together? Yeah, that, that really was the hardest part is trying to, how do we put 10 Hollywood blockbuster movies worth of content into a 20-minute short documentary? It was very difficult, and we, we spent a lot of time trying to find the little bits that, that we thought were the most compelling. But we certainly left a lot on the editing room floor. 
we know that Denny May, who has been on my show in the past as well, sharing the stories of his father, um, you know, has been an integral or was an integral part of putting this film together. But he passed away on on Saturday. He didn't even get to see the, the final version of it just before the world premiere was being held. That must have been a, a huge blow to you and your team. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, he was really the heart and soul of this project. He's our main interview in the film. He gave us a ton of information and oral histories. He went so far as like lending us his father's clothes and props to be used in in the movie. Um, and he he literally passed away like right before watching the link we sent him of the film. Uh, so, but on the other hand, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to work with him and to film with him and keep it all alive. Without a doubt, I know when I talked with him in the past, he said that he had wished he had talked to his dad more about all of his dad's stories uh, when he was still alive. Wish he had had spent the time to sit down and, and talk with dad. I think that's a that's a really important lesson for, for all of us, isn't it? I, I think so. Uh, we That's something we definitely get into in the film, the idea that even though Watt May was this a real-life superhero, it came at a cost, and that was that he didn't really get to know his family as much as he he probably should have, and that was because he was just so busy being a world-famous adventurer. Being a world-famous adventurer, I know that maybe people in the aviation industry or with a love of aviation in this community uh, would know the name Wap May. And I suspect, you know, a lot of people have heard some of the stories, you know, especially the, you know, the hunt for the mad trapper. But can you give us a little bit more, maybe a few more stories or a story about uh, Wap May that maybe people here in Edmonton and Northern Alberta don't know? Well, one, one of the big ones is what, what is referred to as the Mercy Flight. And that's where a northern community in Alberta uh, had a diphtheria outbreak. And at the time, this could be very catastrophic if more people catch it. And they telegraphed Edmonton and said, can you send up a serum? And nobody had really uh, used an airplane to do something like this before. Uh, it was minus 45 degrees, mm-hmm. middle of winter, a blizzard, and Watney had an open cockpit biplane. <laughs> and basically they, they ask him, and he goes, we'll leave tomorrow morning. The plane, they, to keep the serum warm, because if it freezes, it becomes useless, they have to take a charcoal heater in this plane with them. The plane catches fire <laughs> while they're flying through this blizzard. They have to do an emergency landing on a lake, and after all these adventures, they get up there and they save the community. And when they fly back, they find 10,000 people waiting for them outside in the cold because through the radio, they had become international heroes. Yeah, amazing, amazing story. And one after the other when it comes to WAP May. Now, going back to his son, Denny, I know he had said to me in the past, and I think he said to you that he's afraid that uh, we're losing our history. So it's important to have these conversations and and record them. Um, Do you feel the same way? I absolutely do. And I, I think that these sorts of concepts are more important now than, than ever before. What's that old adage? Um, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to remember that we had heroes like this many, many years ago in Edmonton who were incredibly progressive, who, who saw beyond the color of a person's skin, who were ready to stand up and do what's right, no matter the cost. And I honestly think it's, it's more important now than ever before.
Frederick, I, I know that uh, the way that you shot this film was pretty special as well. You wanted to really make sure it had a certain feel to it, so you shot it with, I think, with some old-school film and lenses. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, we wanted to make to create the feeling that I had when I was a kid and watched Indiana Jones for the first time. <laughs> I wanted to, to turn WAP into that larger-than-life, you know, superhero. And so we shot on 35-millimeter camera just the way, you know, Indiana Jones would be filmed. And the camera we used actually was one of the cameras used shooting dances with wolves. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and we shot it with anamorphic lenses, which give that widescreen look. Uh, we we really got ambitious. And we thought, you know, Watt May was the most ambitious guy ever. Let's approach our film the same way. Let's be ambitious. So, Frederick, I, I, I understand that the, the musical score, though, um, pretty outstanding as well. And you talk about ambitious. It sounds ambitious, too. Yeah, uh, we had this amazing local music composer named uh, John McMillan, who actually got a grant through McEwen University, where he teaches, to record this this um, musical score and to make it truly epic. Uh, we used a 50-piece orchestra in Prague to record the musical score, and then we sort of like monitored it here in Edmonton at a at a McEwen lab, and then it got mixed and put into the film, and it's it's. It's so much better than it should be. It's very unusual. Very unusual. <laughs> oh, Frederick, uh, you must be very proud of this, and it must have been something to see it, you know, finally finished. Where can where can the rest of us see it finished? Yeah, if anybody missed the uh, premiere at the Edmonton International Film Festival, which, by the way, we won the award for best uh, documentary short. Congratulations. Um, thank you. It's also uh, available on their website for the rest of the month. Uh, you can buy a ticket and watch that with a number of other short films. Or when we're done doing our film festivals, it will be available online at the Alberta Aviation Museum website for free for everybody. All right, Frederick, thanks for making time for me. Thanks for sharing the story and, uh, you know, shining a spotlight on, um, you know, a man that you rightfully call a hero. I mean, I, I think that his his contributions to the aviation world, to our community and uh, to this province, um, you know, I hope they're not overlooked, but I fear they may be forgotten. And so uh, this is a great reminder of uh, some of the amazing leaders that we've had over the years. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me.